Listener-supported St. Gabriel Catholic Radio AM820 brings you Answering the Call, offering a glimpse into the spiritual journeys of local priests, deacons, and religious. And now, Answering the Call with Elizabeth Ficcicelli. Hi there, and thanks for joining us on Answering the Call here on St. Gabriel Catholic Radio AM820 and streaming on stgabrielradio.com. I'm your host, Elizabeth Ficicelli, and my guest today is one of our recently ordained priests for the Diocese of Columbus, uh, Father Timothy Lynch, who says his first six months of priesthood have passed with the blink of an eye, but every day has been one of joy. And he's a parochial vicar over at St. Michael's in Worthington, and he's here to share his journey uh, to priesthood here on Answering the Call. So welcome, Father Lynch. Thank you. Thank you. I just... I want to just let everyone know what a parochial vicar is. That's just a big word for assistant to the pastor. <laughs> That's kind of where all the seminarians start out as, as newly yes. ordained priests. And Father, you're native-born to Columbus, one of our few native-born Columbusites. Uh, you grew up on the east side, uh, came from a Catholic family, and you're the oldest of four, and had a really large extended Catholic family. We're going to be talking about that today. Um, but where I want you to begin your story is telling us a little bit about your Aunt Mary and a very unique school she founded in Columbus. Oh, yes. It's just wonderful blessings growing up as as a, as a child. Um, my Aunt Mary, she um, has since passed away, but she started a school. She's the oldest of um, her family, and she was the only one not to get married and have children. But her dream was to always get married and have 12 kids. And instead, she ended up founding this school, Our Lady of Fatima Academy, which there's just a lot going on this year, right, mm-hmm. with Our Lady Big of Fatima, year. the 100-year anniversary. And so she founded this school with with a devotion to the Blessed Mother, and she wanted to start a school for boys and girls that would uh, give solid Catholic education and promote vocations to the religious life, both priests, nuns, religious, whatever it may be. And so I was uh, the last class, actually, to make it all the way up through eighth grade. And um, I graduated with a class of three. Um, And uh, all in all, I would uh, guesstimate there was probably about 40 kids. And, you know, 20, 25 of those kids were my cousins, first first cousins. (laughs) So it was like a big homeschool. But we were a charter school. We were smaller than uh, modern day at the time. And um, two classrooms rented out of an old building that is no longer standing in Whitehall. There's a Walmart over there on East Main Street. And um, we rented two of those rooms out, and I was there from preschool to eighth grade. So an amazing, amazing opportunity there. And um, the school produced, you know, as small as it was. um, We have, you know, Father Dan Dury over at St. Catharines. We have Andrew Keevy, who's Mm -hmm. involved in his ministry here in Columbus at Ohio State and surrounding areas with young adults. And uh, myself. Mother Margaret Mary, also from Children of Mary. That's right. That's right. Well, she's not a graduate. She she, she taught. Oh, that's right. She's a teacher there. She taught there for for a year to help out while my aunt was sick. And um, and then um, and myself. uh, Yeah. So it's been. There's been many fruits of her sacrifice and labor of love that she had with that school. And I think all of us uh, definitely um, had you know, the mantle of protection from the Blessed Mother around us. Uh, absolutely. Years. Sounds like it. When you were about 11 or 12, so sometime in that process of, of going through that school, the Legionnaires came to Columbus. Yes, yes. And that would, they, they talked about vocations when they came to your school. Ultimately, that would lead you to a trip to Rome 
during Holy Week. Right. So again, the grace of God in reflecting, working in my life, wonderful opportunities from a very young age, but traveled over to um, Rome during Holy Week. And at the time, um, there was a legionnaire seminarian who was a local native from Columbus, who is now Father Michael Goodyear, and he's out in Colorado now, and he's a pastor out there, but um, uh, he was out there finishing up seminary, and my mom had grown up and been friends with him, because my my grandmother and his mother, uh, Regina Goodyear and Audrey Hassan, were both very very involved in the Garibandal movement growing up, and, and so there was some affiliation there. So when I went over there to visit with the Legion um, to look at their apostolic school over there, um, I got to meet Father Goodyear, and I was very young. There was probably 15 boys that went from looking at uh, joining their school, 7th, 8th, ninth, 10th grade type of thing. And um, we had, you know, at the time the Legionnaires were the Pope right-hand man, and, and they could get into places that other people could only dream of. And so we had front row seats uh, at the Easter Vigil Mass, and um, we had a private audience with the Holy Father uh, at the time, uh, St. John Paul II, um, at the time Pope John Paul II. There was probably about 350, 400 religious priests and nuns, and then there was us 15 boys there. Wow. And uh, that's when, uh, when he was uh, leaving his talk, he was walking down the center island, you know, with thousands of other hands, it seemed, you know, I stuck my hand out and was able to shake uh, John Paul II's hand. So That's incredible. Yeah. You know, surrounded by all that pomp and circumstance, the beauty, the sacredness of, of that experience in Rome, did you think at that point that maybe you would be a priest one day, maybe a legionnaire? Well, I, I did, um, but those dreams were abruptly ended. Um, when the legionnaires said that I was not legionnaire material. So um, they met with my family and said, you know, um, kind of the explanation that I was given at the time um, uh, was that uh, I was a questioner Mm -hmm. and that the legionnaires, one of their primary vocations uh, or primary uh, things was strict obedience was, was, and, and, you know, the example they gave was if the Holy Father asked them to go up to the North Pole and bury a bag and under the ice, they would do it without any question right, that I'm right. a questioner. Right. Well, you know, I that's just the type of person I am. And, and I think it, it was more suited now that, you know, you reflect back definitely on the diocesan uh, level of being a priest. And, you know, I have uh, obedience to, of course, uh, the bishop. And um, what what you learn through the gift of, your vocation in life, no matter what it is. And I'm sure there's a lot of instruction with families, with their children and stuff like that. But ultimately, um, there's freedom in obedience, right? And so um, the the type of obedience that I have to to the bishop and, and to the Holy Mother Church in general, uh, there's a freedom involved in that. And so it's different from a religious order type of obedience, mm-hmm. but um, it's it's still the same. You know, there's unity there. So when when the the legionnaires weren't too eager to open their doors to you at that time, right? Kind right. Of put the good that, people, good, nothing. Yeah, but it we wasn't had, God's right, plan. Just obviously, wasn't the fit. so kind of put that off to the side. So 
after um, you you went through that school that your aunts right. founded, uh, through eighth grade um, school closed down. Your aunt had passed away, and it was time for you to think about high school. You did your freshman year at St. Charles, and right. then three more years at White Whitehall Public High School. Right, Whitehall Rams. Right attitude means success. That's okay. right. And you yeah. got to play. Shout out to the Rams. That's right. <laughs> you got to play basketball and golf there. Right. Um, but. Tell us a, a, about a unique experience you had during your high school years, because you another grace. You attended World Youth Day in Paris, right? So we had. Um, I still say I still say it affiliated with with the Legion in terms of they had a, a, a ministry involved for um, uh, missionary work, YTM Youth for the Third Millennium, and so I stayed active in that um, and. And so there was an opportunity to travel over um, with a group of 20, 25 people um, to uh, World Youth Day when it was in Paris, France, back in the late 90s, mid-90s. And um, I went there not knowing what to expect, of course. And it was a true it – was, it was my first experience in terms of a true, authentic pilgrimage. We were pilgrims there. We mm-hmm. Walking everywhere, they had large crowds, hundreds of thousands, you know, of people at a time with uh, large vats of uh, food, you know, things like that to feed us as pilgrims, and we slept out in you know fields, and it was it was an experience to say the least, but it was so much fun, right? It was it was it was exciting, and every day at some some point in juncture in the day. We were able to either attend Mass that the Holy Father would have in these public forums where we'd, we'd hear the Holy Father talk to us. And then that's when we were at the Eiffel Tower for a big uh, meeting with John Paul II. And randomly, um, they were going to pray the rosary in front of a million, a million youth. And um, a, a, a French priest uh, approached me. Uh, I guess he had heard me speaking English. And he just asked if I would be willing to lead a decade of the rosary up on the stage um, in English. And so we had five different languages for the rosary led, uh, you know, all different languages. And I got to stand up in front of a million people and lead. the. And, I mean, I was nervous, but I really, looking back, I don't think I was that nervous. I was just more excited. What I was more nervous about was that 15 feet away from me on the same stage was John Paul II. <laughs> And I wasn't able to tell him, you know, six years ago, five years ago, I met you. you yeah. know, but, but it was it was a really neat experience. So. Yeah. I mean, just this grace following you. It's very interesting. So in your senior year of high school, your parents sit you down. I love this. They have they have the what's next talk. OK, oh, yeah. what are your options? Well, you can move out and work. You can move out and go to college, or you can move out and join the military. So I'm, I'm sensing this move out theme going on. Right. It um, took me a while to pick up on that. <laughs> you know, I was their baby boy. I was I was the the, the oldest. You know, I I didn't realize, but no, it was just one of those uh, parts of the 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 maturation process, right? Where, um, I think both my parents um, knew me well enough to know that I had. Uh, some gifts and talents definitely to be self-sustaining in that respect. And and they wanted what was best for me. And, and you know, to be honest, there was uh, some times in high school, like everyone else, where you struggle with things, this, that, and the other. And, and one of my things was I, I was not an overachiever in the world of academics. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of times I just did what I needed to do to get by and you know, would, would, you know, and, and so those are things, habits that I, that I needed to form and develop at a better level. And 
So it was a wake-up call. It was right before my senior year, they said. you know. So my senior year, I snapped out of it, and I was able to achieve my goals that year in school and, and, and do very well. And so I was able, by the skin of my teeth, then to get accepted into Franciscan University on uh, academic probation, and I was able to prove myself worthy after that. And also just a quick little um, – message you know father michael scanlon the who was the founder of franciscan university you know just recently passed away and actually today i believe um is is the funeral and um it's going to be up in pennsylvania and i had received some emails about it and stuff like that but he had a tremendous impact yeah, yeah. on my life and on the lives of many students um including you know uh just the, just being the founding father. Now, when I went there, he was just finishing up my freshman year in 98, 99. <clears throat> he was finishing up and he was exiting out as the president and Father Terrence Henry was then taking over. But Father Scanlon said, you know, part of the reason of me exiting out was so that I could do more for the university in terms of raising funds because he realized where they were at. And now, 15, 20 years later, since I've been there, I've been up there once or twice and it's just grown so much and it's changed all for the good and all the, you know, so it's amazing to see the fruits of his labor and love and prayer and sacrifice manifest. And he'll be a man that'll be remembered for many years to come and definitely is up in a better place helping us all now. So. Oh, amen to that. So you went through Franciscan, good experience, good Catholic experience, the European travel, you know, that that comes with the studying abroad. So when you finished your four years there, what was next? What, what, well, did priesthood kind of pop up again for you, or not in the le- not in the least bit at that time? I really didn't know what I wanted to do in life. I think I was still. I, I think that I was kind of going through the motions in terms of you know the next things that you're supposed to do. You know, is kind of go to college, get a degree, get a job, work, make money, and um, <clears throat> you know, I think I was kind of in that limbo area. I didn't know exactly what it was I wanted to do. I was a broadcast journalism, radio, television uh, major there, uh, probably because it was interesting and it mm-hmm. wasn't m- one of the more challenging things. <laughs> so I could kind of enjoy a lot of the other college experiences from a social perspective. But I did really enjoy it. And I had dreams of being, you know, uh, the next ESPN sports announcer and things like that, uh, you know. But but it wasn't what I was truly passionate about. I hadn't developed exactly what it was I was passionate about. I, I didn't really know. And so I think that I was at a stage in my life where I didn't know exactly what it was what I wanted to do, but I knew that I, I didn't want to go to grad school. I was done with school. Yeah. I told God that, you know, I had friends at the time that were in the same boat as me and they didn't know exactly what it was they wanted to do. So they were going to go to grad school. And I thought to myself, that just doesn't make any sense <laughs> to take out more student loans just because you don't know what you're going to do and acquire more debt. But in hindsight, I understand, you know, because a lot of them are very successful now with the further education. But for me, I said, God, I'll never go back to school. <laughs> Be careful what you tell God. Right, <laughs> right. I said, I'm done with school. I'm going to go out. I went to college to make money. So I'm going to go into the, the sales world and make money. And that's kind of uh, the path that I began down. Little did I know that God was going to call me, you know, and I was going to answer the call. And he was going to say, I said, well, what do you have to do, Lord, you know, to go discern to become a priest? I didn't know exactly what seminary entailed. He said, well, you have to go back to school (laughs) for six years. (laughs) Right. I said, okay, one day at a time. And and that's exactly where where you'd be led. First, you went down to uh, the Houston area. 
and right. successful sales job. I, I can see you as a salesman. Um, so you did well. But so what was the what happened there that would ultimately change your path out of sales and towards the seminary? Well, so a few things, but just, you know, one of the main things was that I was still searching to kind of find myself and find what it was. I, I was I was doing the sales as a job. And I could see it developing into a career, uh, and but I just didn't. I still didn't feel like it was that perfect fit. That being said, um, I was very involved with the community down there, with my friends, and with the faith community. I was involved in um, a young adult ministry and youth ministry and things of that nature for the first two years while I was down there. And then after a while, I was just I was I was so involved in the church and church related things during the week, and then my job that I really didn't have a whole lot of time for myself mm-hmm. and for dating and things like that or whatever it might be. And so I decided to take after two years of volunteering my time to kind of take that time free. What ended up finding was with excessive amount of free time on my hands, I, I kind of dove more into my work, and then also. I found myself kind of distanced from the faith for a little while. And it wasn't like an extreme thing. Mm-hmm. It, it was more like the guilty Catholic Sunday thing where if I didn't go yeah. once every couple months, I felt really bad about it. So I usually went just so I wouldn't feel that bad. But I was going just to kind of go through the motions. And um, so I was feeling kind of spiritually empty in a sense. And I, I went to the pastor down there at St. Thomas More. And I said, Father, uh, his name's Monsignor Bill. And I said, Monsignor, I said, I'd like to go on a retreat. I've been on a retreat in a while, you know. And I said, I'm just looking to grow in my faith. And, and he he recommended that I contact the diocese. And then I, you know, I don't know kind of where it came from. I guess there was maybe a little bit of dissatisfaction in, in where my life was headed because I saw it going down this this road, right? of this career in sales, of family, things like that. And while it was beautiful and good, I just didn't feel like it was exactly what I was called to do. But the same sense, I ended up uh, going on this retreat, and I was kind of tricked into it to a certain extent. <laughs> Not completely, but it was a – it was, I it, you know, I called the vocations director. I didn't know he was a vocations director. They put me in contact with him. He said, well, tell me about yourself. You know, we've got some retreats going on here at the diocesan level. He said, are you, uh, you know, single? Yes. You know, are you working? Yes. Do you have a college degree? Yes. Okay, great. We've got this wonderful retreat for young adult <laughs> men. And Okay, great. I'll be there. And I I came and, you know, I looked around and there was guys my age. And I said, this is going to be great, you know. I thought I might see some more older married men maybe, just kind of like a men's. And then I walked right into it and it was the Passionist Retreat Center <clears throat> in Houston, Texas. And they said, there's a big sign. Are you thinking about becoming a priest? And, uh, you know, at the time I was managing a sales career. I had, you know, 115, 120 customers, one, you know, doing over a million dollars in sales with them on a yearly basis. I was very busy and I had taken this time out to grow and go on a retreat. So, you know, I, I kind of laughed because growing up, you know, the idea of vocations and becoming a priest. And I remember I called my mom and I said, Hey mom, you're not going to believe this, but I went on this retreat and your baby boy's, you know, discovering if he's going to be able to be called a priest. You know, I said, I'll be able to finally shut that door, you know, in my life. You know, I wasn't <laughs> expecting this. And she said, Oh really? You know, and 
So one thing led to another, and you know the skies didn't open up that day, and God did not call down to me and say, "You are my beloved son, I am well pleased," <laughs> like we just recently celebrated. But um, what did happen was we had some priests there that shared what the priestly life had been like for them, and they were older priests, and they had a lot of beautiful things to say about it. And then also we had Eucharistic adoration. That is where the change really took place for me. Um, I left there thinking, okay, well, I'm not called to be a priest. But I spent the next year, and I couldn't get it out of my mind or heart. And very soon after that retreat, I began going right up the street from my house in Houston to uh, St. Cyril Alexandria, which has 24-hour perpetual adoration. And I, I went down down that Started once once a week, you know, stopping and saying hi to Jesus for half hour, forty five minutes, and then it turned into three or four nights a week for a half hour. You know, after my long work there or whatever, and and next thing you know, I'm doing adoration quite a bit. Now that being said, on the flip side too, I was still entertaining a lot of in sales and things like that, and invariably it seemed like um, I was hanging out with a lot of business owners of equipment manufacturing, a lot of wealthier men, and we do a lot of happy hours and things like that. And after a few, after a few, you know, beers or whatever, they might say something like, you know, the topic of God would come up. <laughs> and I always felt like it was a defilement to like start like drinking and then talk. I just thought it was stupid. And I always felt that. And so I realized, and, but, but I would talk to him sometimes and then we'd get done with this conversation or whatever. And, you know, I'd show up at their office a week or two later with some sales product that I was talking about and I'd bring up the conversation and half of it they wouldn't even remember. And yeah. I was like, okay, this is. So you so, were seeing where you didn't belong. Right. As, as opposed to where you did belong. Exactly. Before this half hour is over, I, I, I just want to uh, let our listeners know we're talking with Father Timothy Lynch, uh, one of our newly ordained uh, priests and the parochial vicar over at St. Michael. And so, Father Lynch, you would, with this discernment, end up returning to the place you swore you never would, which is school for, as you say, six years of schooling. And when you, um, you were still down in Texas and after investigating the seminary diocese down there right. in the diocese down there some wise counsel and further discernment led you to return to the diocese of Fa- um, columbus where you had yeah. your family and that's where you'd enter the josephinum mm-hmm. um, make those transitional changes when when you go from living independently working to suddenly into a structured environment of a seminary many of our guests say that sometime in the seminary process there's often a wall you hit and in your case it was about two and a half years into seminary How'd you get past your wall? Right. So I hit the wall the day I walked into seminary. <laughs> and and I hit that wall every day for two and a half years. <laughs> but there was some stubbornness inside of me, and, and there was something that was calling beyond the wall that was saying, keep coming back and stick with it. And that was the grace of God. That was the prayers of all the faithful out there, all the good listeners of St. Gabriel Catholic Radio and um, family and friends and people that just pray for vocations. And so it was two and a half years in that I was ready to give it up completely. And um, I was going to discern out of seminary. And um, I was in the chapel, and I said to, to God, you know, I said, I'm done. I'm sick and tired of, uh, you know, running into the same problems. I said, I just can't do this anymore. 
And there's maybe been one or two, maybe three times in my life where where I've where I've been able to kind of really just kind of hear that very faint whisper. We were like, "What'd you just say?" And then you mm-hmm. don't hear anything. Mm-hmm. And it was, you know, you said, "Good. Now that you're done trying it your way, you know, why don't, <laughs> why don't you let me? Why don't you try my way?" <laughs> and that was kind of like the surrender. And I, it, literally, after that point in my life, once that happened everything changed instead of everything being in black and white i saw color all over the place and the grace of god was just everywhere and, and people in seminary my formators everyone noticed it they yeah. said you know what's what's going on with you you know what happy pills are you taking and all <laughs> stuff and i said you know i said i think that it's i'm starting to realize now the fruits of of everyone's and and that this is really what god is calling me to do i fought it for so long and now that i'm accepting it it's just becoming so much more beautiful but long before that the whole journey god opened up so many doors for me that i could never have opened up for myself i was just stubborn and ignorant you know and blind to that so well we are glad you got through that wall we're glad you made it through your ordination and you're at St. Michael's, your first assignment. I know you're happy there. I know they're happy there, too. And uh, it's been really a blessing to have you join us and share your vocation story with us and inspire us in that. So, Father Lynch, could you leave us with your blessing? Absolutely. And again, I just want to give a quick shout out to all the good people and faithful parishioners of St. Michael's, all the students, all the teachers, uh, Father DeNovo, wonderful pastor. And, of course, the good Dominican sisters there who we just appreciate them as the prayer words they are and the example they set for all of us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Amen. Lord Jesus, we come before you this day as your humble servants. We ask always every morning that you allow us to give us the grace to empty ourselves of any selfish thoughts or desires, our egos, our prides, that we can set that aside so that, Lord, you can fill us with your grace, your love, and mercy that you can help us to grow closer to your Son, Jesus Christ, who is the King of the universe, who is our Lord and Savior, and who, as we celebrated this past Christmas season, came to be with us in the flesh. And in the flesh, in all the stories we hear about our Lord in the gospel, we share in all things that Jesus Christ has given us, that example is set for us, in all things but sin. And we thank you, Lord Jesus, most especially for that remedy too there with the sin, with the gift of the sacrament of reconciliation. We ask all these things through the hands of our Blessed Mother. Amen. Amen. Thanks again, Father Lynch, Elizabeth Figicelli. Have a great week. God bless. Answering the Call is a production of listener-supported St. Gabriel Catholic Radio AM820. Archives of Answering the Call with Elizabeth Figicelli are available at stgabrielradio.com. 